When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello, one and all. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at life and league uh, with a big name guest. The big interview this week is a cracker. It's Mr. Rugby League, Mr. Challenge Cup himself, John Keir, who has a lot to get off his chest. Trust me, uh, freshly back from uh, seeing his Wales side well beaten in 40 degree heat in France. Uh, he gives us a bit of an inside look at the Wales camp. His look at international rugby league, Wales's prospects at the World Cup. And what is going to happen to the domestic game now? IMG are getting involved. Super League, Championship, League One. Uh, John Keir, who starts work next week as the new head coach of Witness, has a bit to say on that and the health of the Bradford Bulls as well. So uh, that's still to come in a few minutes' time. We will chew the fat first and foremost with the assistant editor of Love Rugby League, Mr. Drew Derbyshire, uh, who is with us as always. We normally start with where have you been this week? But there wasn't any action apart from the internationals, which I assume you went to, Drew, unlike me, who went to a music concert instead. Yeah, of course I was there. I was covering it. Uh, I covered the uh, the double header both games. I, I was really into the women's game beforehand. Uh, the, the the French put up a little bit of a test for the first twenty minutes, but England's quality shone through in the end. I was really impressed with the fullback Tara Stanley. Uh, thought she was excellent. She was at the heart of everything that England did. Jodie Cunningham does what Jodie Cunningham always does. She she produced a, a fine display in the number thirteen shirt. She she just seemed to be everywhere. She she covered practically every every blade of grass uh, at Warrington. But Fr- uh, France have got a, a couple of good players as well. I'll be looking forward to to seeing them and how they get on at the World Cup later this year. Uh, on to the men's. I was impressed with England to a certain extent. It's it's always hard, isn't it, with the mid-season fixture because the mid-season games don't feature the NRL-based players. Yeah. So 
the World Cup team will look a lot different come the end of the year. I think there will be five or six more players involved in Sean Wayne's squad at the end of the year. Especially in the forward pack, you'll have the likes of Elliot Whitehead, possibly Ryan Sutton, uh, Luke Thompson, um, maybe Herbie Farnworth in the centres, depending on, on how his injury uh, pulls through. Uh, the, the combined nations, you, you could tell they don't play together every week. You could tell it was a team that was put together uh, just the, the week before uh, the game got, got underway, but there's obviously plenty of class in, in that All-Stars team, coached by the, the legend that is Ellery Hamley. Yeah. Whenever Ellery speaks, you just listen, don't you? And, and I think that was the case for everyone in the in the post-match uh, presses. I think once Ellery's talking, you kind of just get mesmerised by by it yeah. being Ellery yeah. Hamley. Uh, it's it's a bit of a weird one, to be honest. But, but Sean Wayne was a typical... It was a typical Sean Wayne press conference. He was like... They were decent out there. George Williams was good and, and John Bateman was good as well, but there's plenty of room for, uh, room for improvement. Mm. Uh, he, he's said that about Williams a couple of times now whenever I've spoken to him, but uh, it was complimentary of Williams and, and George Williams was back to his best, wasn't he? Uh, I know he's been a little bit out of form for, for Warrington this season, but in fairness, he's, he, he was playing behind a, a very strong England pack uh, last weekend, and it showed because he had a, a tremendous game in the in the house. For, for me, Drew, this is the nonsense when we're led to believe that some player, you know, players and squads are picked on form. With, with with Sean Wayne, I just don't think that is the case. And he said he left certain people out because of form reasons. Zach Hardacre, I didn't necessarily buy that because Hardacre is actually in really good form. Um, and we've got to remember that Sean Wayne is part of the Wigan squad who who let Zach go for reasons that weren't to do with form. But then you look at the players who did come in. Williams, again, excellent. Okay, I wasn't there, but I, obviously I've watched it back. And, you know, Williams, excellent. Bateman arguably hasn't been in sensational, scintillating form this year. Brilliant again. Sean Wayne has players he's going to pick anyway. Michael McAlorum, he's going to have him in there. He'll be in the World Cup squad. The likes of Williams. He trusts these players. He knows them. He has a relationship with them from his days at Wigan. He knows these players can turn up and do a job for him. So actually, how they're playing for the clubs, yes, you'd want them, want them to be playing well, but it, it actually doesn't really matter in terms of the job that he's trying to do, which is win a World Cup for England. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Mickey McAlorum there. I think he was the best hooker on the day. There was there was four England-eligible hookers playing in the game. Obviously, Cruz Leeming and uh, Daryl Clark were part of the All-Stars team to, to take on England, putting the hands up for a, an England World Cup jersey, in effect. Um, I thought... McLaurin stood up to the test well and he showed why he was England starting number nine on the day. Uh, he led from the front. He's a, he's, it was a trademark McLaurin performance. He was a, a little bit nasty in defence. He was a little bit nuggety uh, for the All-Stars and, and you'd never want to, to run, run it straight at McLaurin, would you? Because he, he likes to put on a, a big shot every now and then as well. Uh, but I was impressed with, with Leamy when he came on for the All-Stars because... He added a lot of zip to the attack and the All-Stars seemed to to get going uh, from the quick play of the balls that, that Lehman was getting and, and then his di- distribution to the likes of Chris Satai was excellent. Um, so I was I was impressed with Lehman. I thought he enhanced his World Cup chances. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he will be involved in Wayne's squad at the end of the, end of the year. I think me and, me and you, George, seem to... Seem to to believe that James Roby will be coming out of retirement. I think we, I think that conversation will be will be ongoing amongst amongst everyone until it's finally confirmed whether he is or isn't playing in the tournament. But uh, I'd I'd like to see that 
that James Roby and, and Mickey McAloran will be the hookers for, for England, but uh, Liam is certainly making uh, a good fight of it at the time being. Yeah, I, I mean, let's let's just talk for a couple of minutes about that hooker situation as we have done. This story kind of, no one was really talking about Roach. Certainly no one was talking about Michael McAloran. Actually, I think probably until we did the Paul Wellens podcast a couple of weeks ago when Wellens gave us an indication that actually Roby might, right, you know, he's still, the, he admitted he's still the best number nine in England. So then it's like, well, if he's if that's still the case, why on earth would he not play in the World Cup? And then everyone's gone a bit weird and a bit coy about it. I still remain convinced and that, you know, my my sources within the England camp are very confident that Roby will play. Yet we were both on the call with Roby himself earlier this week, and he's still deflecting, still saying, I'm I am retired from International Rugby League. So I, the one question I asked him in that press call was, but why wouldn't you play? Like, he admitted, didn't he, that he'd been surprised himself by it, what good shape he's in. He hasn't aged as much as he thought he would have, which I think is a lot down to how things were during lockdown when actually there wasn't the day-to-day contact training because you forget players have to recover from that. It's not just recovering from the match. That's allowed him to be, you know, he's not dipped at all. That and the injury, the season-ending injury that Josh Hodgson suffered, which I think when Roby made his international retirement decision, he wouldn't have expected, obviously no, none of us would have expected that. So Roby would have thought, maybe I'll just move aside gracefully. Hodgson will be the number one. Anyone else, can, one of these four or five can be back up. Now, suddenly he's in a position where actually I am still the best number nine. So why on earth would he not play? It makes no sense. You've got Sean yeah. Wayne say, you've got Sean Wayne saying, I've got too much respect for Roby to approach him and ask him to change his mind. And you've got Roby, who's too humble to go to Wayne and say, I'm still available because he thinks Wayne might have his own plans. So we've got this weird impasse where actually everyone wants Roby to play for England in the World Cup. Yeah, and, and, and in, in rugby league as well, I, I can't really understand why players uh, announce their, their international retirement because international rugby league, there's not actually a lot of games. It's not like football where you're playing every couple of months and you're, and you're travelling all over the world and you're spending a lot of time away from, from your family. You're playing a heap of more games in the calendar year. In rugby league, how many international games realistically do we get a year? Three, maybe four, if, it, if it's a World Cup. Well, five, if it's a World Cup year, possibly. Um, so I don't, I don't actually think it adds that much onto your body. So I was. That's why I was a little bit surprised when Jermaine McGilvery announced his international retirement earlier on uh, last month. I think it was yeah. um, because if you add up the amount of England games that he could play from now until the end of his actual career there probably will only be a handful of games that he'll, that he'll actually miss. Uh, I think I was counting how many games James Robb has actually missed since he hung up his international boots. And I think he only he's only missed uh, three games, including three. the most recent yeah. All-Stars game. Yeah. Um, so I think he, he can definitely still play for England. And, and in my opinion, he, he is still the best number nine in Super League. And, and if, if I was Sean Wayne, I'd be doing all that I could to, to get him to commit to England for, for his last World Cup. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we'll certainly get news about whether he's going to go round again with St Helens, I think he said, in the next couple of weeks. I, I still think he'll do another season for the Saints. Whether or no, not think, that will, think, that will impact on his World Cup. Well, yeah, I think that will be his 20th season with Saints if he does sign on for next year. And it's kind of like a, a fairy tale ending, isn't it, to, to your career? If, if he does play in the World Cup for England, he could uh, uh, bring the, the World Cup trophy home, if you like, and then 
play one final season with Saints and how good would it be for him to say that he's Super League's all-time uh, appearance holder, it helped England win a World Cup and he played 20 seasons at his hometown club. I mean, I mean the, the guy's a freak already, isn't he? He's a St. Helens legend and what a way it would be to, to go out in that manner. Uh, news on that, of course, will come in the next uh, few weeks, but we'll wait and see. We haven't actually mentioned the the other international um, that took place over the past weekend, which was Wales in France, because we don't really need to, because our big interview this week is the Wales head coach, John Keir, and that's coming next on the Love Rugby League podcast. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And we have rugby league coaching royalty this week in uh, Mr. Challenge Cup himself, the new witness head coach and, of course, the uh, Wales coach ahead of the Rugby League World Cup, Mr. John Keir. John, great to have you on. How are you, first of all? I'm great, George, and uh, good to see you, even though virtually, my friend. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope you're keeping well. I am keeping well. It's hard not to when the weather is like this. Mind yeah. you, this will be cool for you, having come out of 40 degrees <laughs> at, at the weekend with Wales. How, how was that trip? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really beneficial for us in our preparation for, uh, for the World Cup because after a thousand-plus day, we actually got a team out on the field, which uh, is a big one. And we got all the rustiness about the off-field organisation sorted out. We got some new caps who so we'll put the hand up so it expends our player pool and the performance was good. But you're right about the heat, George. I mean, we went to Manchester and uh, we got on the on the plane and we felt rather comfortable with it, 20 degrees. And we got off a carcass on and it was like walking into an oven. It was 40 plus degrees. Uh, but I've got to pat the players on the back. I mean, they just adapted to it so well. Uh, it could have been very uncomfortable, but Thankfully, it got less and less. And then on game day, there was a bit of a breeze. But it, it took some handling. And, and the RFL were very good as well, George, because uh, they allowed us to play in quarters, which obviously uh, assisted everything when you knew for well after 20 minutes or so, you were going to be able to get some uh, some hydration on, onto the players. How do you think you and Wales are in terms of your preparation for the World Cup? You, you mentioned that massive figure since your last game and... On the face of it, that's ludicrous, isn't it? That you know, that doesn't help anyone. But I, I don't know what the answer is to that. What, what you can do about it? Well, obviously, COVID had a lot to do with that. But yeah. uh, I, I agree with you totally, George. I, I, and and I think this is one of the uh, the things that IMG have really got in their favour is that can nothing's off the table, is it, at the minute? And uh, I, I think the need to really look at international rugby league, see its uh, priorities within the game. And, and attempt to sort of grow it because uh, International Rugby League is what gets eyes on the sport. It really does well. I mean, we all of our local teams or the teams that we work for uh, and we're very partisan with that, very tribalistic. But ultimately, you'll get people in London and down south watching if England are playing or, or you get people watching in Cardiff, except if Wales are playing, Edinburgh, if Scotland are playing. And that's why we need to make it a real good fist of it. And I think it's a great opportunity that we've got. And I think we can see how well the Southern Hemisphere have developed their international game. I mean, their international weekend with their Tongan squads and the Cook Island squads, they're very, very strong indeed, George. And, and that's what we need 
for Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France, England to turn out really strong squads when it is these uh, mid-season or end-of-season internationals. Uh, Maybe we'll talk a bit later about restructuring and what IMG might do, but in terms of the international game... um, would you have? Would you hope, as a as a head coach of a, one of the home nations, would you hope to have a voice in this? Would you like to be kind of involved in in decision making about what what can be done? Yeah, and, and I think we will be. I, yeah. I think uh, one of the things that the RFL are doing really well, and that uh, obviously with in consultation with IMG, is, is the fact that they are asking stakeholders within the game, and obviously players are major stakeholders as are the, the coaches, as our chief, chief execs, as are the media. And uh, I think the consultation needs to be there. And, uh, we, you know, it, it's an exciting opportunity to get it right. Uh, we've had lots of goals. I'm not so sure we've got it right at the minute, but uh, it's, it's a real good opportunity for us to, to go forward, show progress and grow the game. Yeah. Do, does, it feel, does it feel different then? Because stuff like yes. this, I mean, you've been around the game. I, I feel like I've been around the game a long time, but you, know, you can times that probably by you know, double. By a few, George. By a few. A few. Yeah. I was choosing my words carefully there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, you could easily just see. I remember, you know, when the news story broke about involvement from, you know, external with, with IMG. And actually my reaction, you know, possibly regrettably was, all right, well, we'll see. You know, there wasn't that much excitement because I felt like, well, I've kind of seen all this before, but I don't know. I don't know if this is different or not. I don't think we've seen it before with a, a neutral outside agency, George. You know, I, I think whenever there's been restructuring, there's always been uh, hidden agendas, shall we say. Mm. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get turkeys vocally for Christmas, are you? I mean, we all know that. But if you've got someone with fresh eyes, uh, listening, first of all, and, and then looking, I, I think you can come up with a, a pretty good solution that can take us forward as a game. And that's what I hope. I mean... You know me, George, it's always glass half full, isn't it? Never glass half empty. So uh, I think you've got to be optimistic. You've got to be enthusiastic. You've got to embrace opportunities. And we've got to attempt to grow and develop the game. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to it in a bit when we talk about the the Championship and and League One and your your role that you're about to to take up at at Widnes. On on the internationals and looking ahead to the World Cup, which is... It's really come around dead quick yeah. now. But it feels yeah. like we've been waiting for it forever. And then suddenly, hang on, it's, it's only a few months away. What are your emotions um, about the World Cup and your involvement, your your prospects, I guess, for, for your team? Well, first of all, I think from a, a game point of view, George, I, I, I honestly believe this is when we'll have loads of eyes on it. We, we will have lots of eyes on our great game. And I'm pretty certain that the players will deliver. That's, that's one common fact we have throughout all of this. No matter how many leagues you have or whatever you do, the players always deliver. And I'm absolutely certain that will happen this time. I think we're in for a very exciting uh, World Cup. And I think we'll, we'll have one where we can draw attention to the quality of our game. Uh, with regard to Wales' uh, uh, outlook, I mean... Again, we've started our preparations. We're delighted with the weekend that we had over in France. It's been a, it was a great camp. It's, I think it's given us a bit of a head start. We'll have another trial game just a week before the World Cup starts. And then it, it's hey, lads, hey. And, you know, we've got a tough group. Uh, we'll accept that. <laughs> That's an understatement. Hunger, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Papua New Guinea, Cook Islands, Wales. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's in football terms, they call it the group of death. But uh, we're pretty certain that, uh, you know, we played Papua New Guinea in 2013 
uh, in 2017, sorry, in, in Papua New Guinea. And I think it'll be a bit different playing PNG in Doncaster. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that the, the, the winds there, the rains there, there might be a bit of snow on the floor, you know, any, anything to make it uncomfortable. Because my word, when we played over there, it was like playing in a sauna. It really was. So, uh, you know, it, 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 we, we, as I said, we're in that group of death and we're targeting at least one win. And if we get one win, that will be deemed a massive, massive success. I mean, qualifying is a success, but to get one win would be a massive success. And as we spoke at this weekend's team meetings, we feel that that's definitely achievable. Just describing that that night at Doncaster, you've just you actually just made me think of that when Scotland held New Zealand in that yeah, was, yeah. was it thirty or that famous night uh, when I was commentating. You might have even been with me. I don't remember, but. Uh, up at up at Durham Park in Workington, and the weather was. I mean, Scotland were terrific, and Daddy Bruff that night was terrific. Yeah, it was. But that was just yeah. the magic of international rugby league, and it, the weather was horrible. And I just, I just remember New Zealand turning up because I was there dead early because we were commentating on on the TV, and as you know, you have to be there so early. Yeah. And New Zealand got off the coach, and they were so cold that they went for hot showers before the match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those. One of those scenario situations that only international rugby, going back to your point yeah. about yeah. more of this, only international rugby league can throw that kind of thing up. It, 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 you, you bang on it. And there's great stories as well, isn't there? Great Britain playing over in PNG. And there's stories from around the world. What about Great Britain when they played Australia in 92 and in Melbourne? And that, that fantastic, probably the best international performance of any home nation that there's been for many, many, many years. And, and the stories are all the time. And, and as you rightly say, George, that was a great story and a, and a great night for, for International Rugby League. And you, you, you hope for something like that. And you always prepare as well as you possibly can. And you prepare to win. And that's what we'll be doing. But we do know it's, it's going to be a, a tough old task, especially game two against Tonga when Christian Wolfe will be uh, at his own stomping ground over at St. Helens. So, yeah. you know, we, we know we've got some questions to answer, but we're quite quite confident we can answer them in a positive manner. Uh, just one more on on Wales, because uh, that feels like where we are, you're fresh back from that trip. We had our old mate Hendo on the podcast last week, Mr Andrew Henderson, who was assistant coach of uh, the All-Stars who play, played England and a former Scotland captain, of, of course. And his view on Scotland's current health of their team is that they've actually regressed in the last few years. They've gone backwards since that halcyon period of that we were talking about then, probably 13 the World Cup through to 16 when that draw with New Zealand was. Do you think Wales are moving forward, staying the same? Have they gone backwards a bit or is that an unfair question? No, it's an unfair question, George. I think it's a decent question because, uh, yeah, but but I, I feel we're, we're making progress and, and I can give you the reasoning behind that. We've expanded our play pool. You know, we had uh, six debutants uh, this weekend. Uh, so obviously... The, the reservoir of talent I can pick from, it makes it better for me and easier for me. And the other good thing is that there's, there is a pathway within Wales. There's, there's a national team at 16, 19. There's the, uh, the, the, the community game as well. So there is a pathway for players to follow. There are links as well that Wales Rugby League have formed with, uh, with, with Super League clubs, especially at Salford. Uh, there are, I think, the seven... Uh, junior Welsh kids up, up there, so it's expanding the the reservoir of talent, and and because there is a a, a focus in Wales, there's obviously two 
professional clubs in there, uh, but there's a focus at, at the community level. And, and those routes, will they will pay fruition in the years to come. And I think what Endo says is, is quite right. And I think that's what Scotland and, and Ireland need to do. They might, you know, they might not let me say it, but they might want to follow the, the Wales model and really put down some real serious routes to allow the, 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 the sort of plants to grow. Because uh, it's no good, I don't think, once every four years just bringing a lot of heritage players in and, and giving a good shot at it. And then for the other three years, the virtually fallow years, I think we've got to construct something where every year there's something purposeful and where all the players will put their hands up to play every year. But that as well is down to the club's uh, commitment and the fact that clubs play so many games. You know, it's I, I just think it's, it's partial how many games that, Super League, Championship, and and uh, not so much League One, but certainly Super League and Championship clubs play. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I'm I'm very kind of forthright in, in my opinion on that. To be honest, well, let's talk about Championship League when you're about to start your new job. New job at the. I, I had to Google your age, John, before we came on. I, I couldn't believe how old you were. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an old one. Yeah, yeah, I'm an old one. Yes, uh, so. It's. Uh, I, th I think it's your outlook on life, though, George, yeah, yeah. isn't it? You know, uh, if uh, there's there's a farmer. I know a, a local farmer down here, and uh, there was one of the accompanying farmers, and he was he was eighty odd, and he retired, and, and he died within six months. And he said to me, "You know what's killed him?" And I'm thinking, "Well, I don't really know." I think that a private thing, and he says, "That bloody armchair." He says, yeah. as, soon as, "As soon as he retired, he got in that armchair and he never moved." And his purposeful living, and and obviously his, his desire to, to live, obviously just ebbed away. And yeah. and he, he honestly said that. And I thought, hey, you know, he's got a good point there. And I, I do think you have to have positive things in your life, and you've got to have projects in your life that you want to buy into and work towards. And uh, I I just like being busy, and I like being involved. And thankfully, you know, I've, I've got a, another opportunity with that as a head coach of a great club at Witness. Yeah, I, I completely wholeheartedly get what you're saying. You know, very different for me, but coming out of doing something that you love and you're devoted to, that yeah. that loss of purpose, loss of identity, loss of yes. focus. Yeah. yeah, Honestly, unless you experience that, you can't really do justice to just how much it affects your life. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely stay in something that you adore if you get a chance to do it. Um, and and you have this chance. And, you yes. Know, I've heard you you speaking already. Okay, you're just about to start the job, kind of, you know, you know, a full on role. But but listening to you speaking about why you took the witness job, there was something that excited you about it. Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, I've I've been really fortunate. And it's just been really nice that people have contacted me about various roles. I had uh, a player agent contact me, see if I'd be interested in going into that side of it. I had a rugby union club contact me, see if I'd be interested in doing the defence. And, and, and a couple of three rugby league clubs. But the, the one that really appealed was the one over at Witness. And uh, the sort of facilities there are, are excellent. It, there's a great uh, spectator base, a great fan base. But the thing that I really liked was, I, I honestly do believe that they've underachieved this year. And uh, I like to think that I can get the best out of individuals and, and, uh, and a, a group as well. And that will obviously be my immediate aim. And obviously that, then from that in the, uh, in the off season, it's to grow that playing group and, and improve it through re recruitment and retention. And, and so obviously it's a fair old task. 
it's a task I'm going to relish. And I hope that the club sees the, the fruits of my labour, not just this year, but more importantly in, uh, in, in 2023, because that's obviously, I think, we've spoken about IMG and so on and restructuring. That's when I think you really are going to have to put your best foot forward, it, both on and off the field, in order to play at the highest level that you possibly can. You're going really, you could say, from one... Well, I, don't, I was going to say sleeping giant, possibly fallen giant might be a better description, certainly for, for Bradford, but going from one to another in Bradford to witness two, yeah. two great clubs of the game. Yeah. Are you going to be in a better position to build what you want to build at witness than you were at Bradford? I'm, I'm talking about financially, I guess. Yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, it was really difficult at Bradford, a, a tougher task than I expected. Right. Uh, and in what that, way? That, well, I think really, I don't think we... I don't think the club, I don't think the fans really accepted where we were when we went there at first. We're in League One. Mm. And the thing that brought it home to me, George, was we, we played Hemel Hempstead and you were virtually playing in front of a temporary stand and, and on a park pitch. And uh, you thought, well, obviously this is, this is the, the depth. We've got to attempt to crawl out of this and, and, and go as far as we possibly can. And obviously we've got out of League One established ourselves in the championship and, and I know for a fact that in a better place now than they were but obviously there is constraints on, on anything and uh, the revenue at Bradford's not as high as it was the central funding is not as high as it was and you've got to cut your cloth accordingly and I think that's what everybody's got to accept uh, you know within and, and supporters of that club and uh, it, it's going to be tough as well for the coming couple of years over at Bradford. But again, I think you've got to be positive and it is in a better place than it was. Uh, but people seem to allude all the time to, oh, we're World Club champions in 2005. Well, yeah, you're playing on a park pitch, so like Hemel M said, in 2017 as well. So, you know, let, let's get, let's put things in perspective. But it's a great club. There are some great fans there. And on and off the field, the club is in a better situation than it was those four and a half years ago when I went in there. Randomly, I was I was looking for something the other day and I stumbled upon an old commentary clip, which was you and I at Headingley. It must have been 20 years ago. Rob Burrow kicked a touchline conversion. Leeds scored yeah. right in the last minute and, and little Rob had to kick from the touchline to, to right in front of the south stand to win it. Uh, you you got very excited. It was, a, it was a great little clip and that kind of brought home to me a lot of things, eh, remembering Rob but um, and how, how amazing he was. But, but also those Leeds-Bradford games and just how absolutely yeah. amazing they are. It, Will we ever get that back? Uh, a Bradford, a Bradford kind of. Have they got any hope of getting back there? Yeah, they've got hope, but it, I don't think it's going to be in the immediacy. I think it's got to be a, a medium to long term thing. Mm. And I agree with you totally, George. I mean, I, you know, a mate of mine, Keith Senior, and uh, we played Sheffield in one the first home game at, at Bradford, and Keith came down the the sort of steps of 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 uh, of Odsall, and he just said, "I said I remember this place, twenty thousand buzzing and you know an intense fierce rivalry with at the highest of, of levels of the British game and uh, you know he, he remarked that it was a little sad at this moment in time but he also remarked that it's going to take a fair bit of work to get out of there and he's right he's right and it will take a fair bit of work but what people have got to do is keep supporting the, the club and keep working hard in order to improve it and attempt to get it back to, to the elite level, but nobody's got a divine right, George. No. That's the big thing. No club has got a divine right to be at the elite level. You must earn it. 
and that's that's probably half of your job now going into yes. to win to win this next week. It's yeah, you might have done this, that, and the other, but look where we are now. Correct. Um, so Correct. Let, you know, let's let's start working. What what's what kind of the first things? What are the, the tough things on your to do list? Do you think when you get in, sit down in your witness office for the first time? Yeah, well, the, the tough things to do are to sort of sit down with each player and, and sort of point out exactly what I want. I, I think what people tend to do, if things aren't going so well, they tend to complicate things more and look for deeper answers, whereas often the best thing to do is just to strip it bare and make it very, very simple indeed and make the roles easy to understand so that people can execute those roles. And then you can build upon that in a gradual manner. But I mean, straight away for me, I, I mean, I watched, I think I watched every game except two this season of witnesses. And uh, the York, the, it looked against York, they were in a great position to be, but it looks as if they'd forgotten how to win. Mm. And, uh, and they just came up with a, a bit of lack of composure, a bit of naivety, and, and players you wouldn't expect to come up with decisions like this that allowed York to, to sort of come away with the game. And, and I compare witness with York there because York didn't play very well for. 55, 60 minutes of that game. But what they did, they showed resilience and they showed belief that they could win. Even though they were scratchy and weren't playing at the best, you could see they still had the belief that they could win it. And, and that came through. So instilling that confidence, that self-belief, it takes some doing, George. But what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to go in there and make it as simple as possible so that we can build that gradually over the rest of this season. Uh, and when you mention how hard clubs like Witness are going to have to work in the next year or so, jostling for position is that with the thought of a potential restructure of how things yes. might look and what yeah. do you think it might look like are we what we're going two tens are we going something different what what, what do you think i i honestly don't know george but I, I, for me we the the you want to look at the state of origin and, and the australian national team when they play representative rugby league they ain't tired Whereas when a lot of our play, we've got it with England football, haven't we, at the minute? You know, the, this Liverpool players play 63 games for the club. Then they want them to play well for, for England. Well, we do a similar things with, with, with our players. We, we, we overwork them. And, and then it's really difficult for them to be at the top of the game at the end of the season in that little international uh, part that we've got. So I think the first thing IMG have got to do for me is reduce the number of, of domestic club games. And, and what I would do personally, I'd say, when are we going to start the season? When are we going to finish the season? And look how many fixes, making sure they don't have Easter weekends or midweek games. It's, it's one per week. And if they say, if clubs say, oh, well, we're losing home games. Well, tell you what, get your marketing people to do the job and fill the stadium. Gosh, you're better with 10 or 11 games that are full than 14 games that are two, half to two-thirds full. So I, I don't think there's a solution there. But I think what they've got to decide is when you start the season, when you finish it, look at the number of weekends and allow us to have as well a really intense, tough pre-season and for players to recover from the previous season, the internationals. And I think we'll, we'll then we'll start on, on a sort of upward trajectory for our national teams. Uh, let's spend the last couple of minutes talking about you and your career today. And, I, you know, listening to you, uh, as I have done the last 20 minutes or so, you, you're, you're as passionate as ever. I, I could, I seriously could talk to you about rugby league all, all day, be it in a... Well, we, we, we've spent many hours, haven't we, George? I know, so, yes. I know yes. but I just I just love how, how, how raw and how real it is with you. And 
I don't I don't even know if you have time to reflect because you are still in it. You are still in your career, but you know the career and the coaching career you have had. If you do allow those moments, are are those you know what are the high moments? Are the is it the internationals? Is it the the Challenge Cup successes with Sheffield and Hull? What what, what do you what gives you a smile when you when you think about what you've achieved? I'll tell you what the best moments are, George. It's when I. You know, I'll go down to Cass and I'll go and have a look at, at Cass playing and I'll see Matty Crowder, and who was obviously one of my players at, at Wembley. And I'll shake his hand, we'll look in each other's eyes and we, sh- we know straight away we're sh- we've shared something special. And it's about the memories you create with people and the memories you continue to share with people. And, you know, whenever there's a, a reunion at Sheffield team, there's Johnny Lawless and, and Darren Turner there. Dafters brushes both of them. You know, you think they're 18 still now. But you, you just shake your hands, you look in the eyes and you know, we shared something so special. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that with a, a number of people in a number of different groups. But that's what I take from, from my coaching career. It's, it's the bond that you've got with people that you've worked with, people that you've liked, people that you've loved. And, uh, you know, you, you, just, you just look upon that as such a special time. And that's, you know, that's where I always like to end these chats with, you know, life lessons that, you know, those people involved in rugby league learn from league and then it serves them well in life i guess that's is that the one for you the the bonds that you have have, have it built is. You know, it is and, and also, so much yeah and also judge you have to live in the moment I, I think too many people not just in rugby league but in society they're worried about what's around the corner live in the moment and enjoy what's happening and uh, i think that can be a life lesson for, for anybody at any time you know, don't always be looking either over your shoulder or looking too far in front. Make sure you're enjoying what you're doing at this moment in time, giving it your best and also enjoying the fruits of your labour. John, you've been a great guest, great company as always. I'll let you go and enjoy the sunshine. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it, George. Great to see you again as well, mate. And uh, good luck in the new Thank job. You. John Keir on uh, this week's big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.